Sit or stand? Uh, you can sit. Let's sit down. All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, hey, uh, just, you know, most of you know this, uh, that our focus as a church is to develop disciples. And we're trying to do a better job of, like, every time you think about, like, so what's church all about? It's about that goal, to develop disciples. And so to that end, we have a number of uh, good things that we're planning uh, for the entire year, for 2019, that will help us as a church family, our youth group, our kids programs, our adults, our men's ministries, women's ministries, to develop as disciples and then encourage us to go out and find people to disciple as well. Because that's part of that call. That's part of that responsibility. And so we'll be talking uh, a lot more about that here in the next uh, few weeks, few months. So just, yeah, just kind of have it on your radar. Um, so we are two weeks in, about two weeks into New Year's, and it is, we joke about how quickly people break New Year's resolutions, us, us as well, how quickly. Uh, and for, for some of us, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily breaking it quickly, we just like set something so big that we just didn't even really try, so it wasn't like ever really got around to it, so you know, I'm going to lose 40 pounds, oh well, you know, that's not going to happen pretty quickly. Um, but it's, it's funny because you think a little bit about like, okay, you know, you got a lot of energy and excitement the first week of the new year. I'm going to work out every single day. And then by week two, you're like, well, I'm going to work out once a week. And then week three, you're like, oh, I'm going to work out this month sometime. And then pretty soon you're like, okay, well, never mind. I'm just going to pay for my membership and never actually go to the gym. And I think it's what a lot of people sort of just end up doing, a lot of us. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I think we've all experienced the phenomena of how quickly we fall short of our own expectations. We're not even talking about anybody else, just our own. This is the standard we have for ourselves, and we just have a hard time reaching our own standard, right? You know, the verse, of course, that talks about we fall short of the glory of God. We, sh- we fall short of our own, right? We're, not, we're, not, we're struggling to even, even get there sometimes. So, so Christianity can be a little like that. And, and last week we opened with this kind of difficult question uh, that maybe just kind of like sat with you during the, the sermon and you're just like, oh, I, don't, I don't like that question. I'm not sure I want to even think about that question. But the question was, was this, what is going on when people who claim to follow Christ don't live like Christ? What's going on there? What's going on when people who claim to follow Christ don't live like Christ? Now, there may be good answers to that question, right? You know, for some of us, getting through 24 hours without some sort of major failure is like, hey, that's a victory. That's good. And so we want to applaud that. Like, for, for some of us, maybe we just started with such kind of a moral deficit that we're do, we've rocketed to, you know, a plateau, right? We're, do, we're doing okay. Um, maybe we have been measuring ourselves. I know this is something I struggle with, measuring myself by the wrong standards. And so I feel like I'm not doing well, but it's because I'm not using the standards God has given me to, 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 to gauge myself. You know, maybe it's that. There's a lot of good reasons, but we don't want to let ourselves off the hook. I mean, this is an important question to ask ourselves, to think about us, to think about where we are and where we're in relationship to our, our following, our discipleship of God. What is going on when people like me who claim to follow Christ, don't live like Christ. What's, what's going on with that discrepancy? Now, the human heart, we talked about this last week as well, and if you weren't here, it's totally fine. We'll get you all caught up. But the human heart is a major narrative theme in Scripture. All the way from the beginning, the inclinations of the human heart were only evil all the time, God says, and so he sent the flood back in Genesis. And then you get finally to the uh, uh, Mount Sinai, and, and Moses has brought the Ten Commandments, and the people are like, whatever you need us to do, God will do it. And God's like, man, I just want you to follow me and obey me with your heart. That's what I want you to do. 
And you get all the way to the book of Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, where it talks about God's like, you guys are struggling. You know what? There's going to come a day where I'm going to remove that heart of stone and I'm going to put in you a heart of flesh. Because you guys are just having so much trouble. And then finally, we even talk about Jesus. And we talked about this last week as well. When Jesus talked about like, man, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you guys. Your lips, you draw near to me with your lips, but your heart are far from me. And we talked about how we try to transform ourselves. And God says the only solution is for, for me to give you something brand new. Now, of course, Jesus had a lot to say about the heart. And I want to walk through a passage uh, f- just a little further down from that passage where he quotes Isaiah. But it's in Mark chapter 7. So if you want to follow along, Mark chapter 7. And I want to give you just a little tiny uh, setup to this idea. A little tiny uh, setup to Mark chapter 7. <clears throat> As you're aware, I'm sure... Uh, the Hebrew people had a really interesting relationship to food. It was very important to them what they ate and what they didn't eat. And, of course, that's per God's expectations in the Old Testament. So, you know, there's no bacon. There's no hot dogs. And, or, I mean, unless they're all beef, right? There's just these things. No shellfish. There's these things that you could not eat. And it was very important because they, they believed, again, by reading the Old Testament, that when you ate, when you ingested these things, you became unclean before God. And then you had to go through this ritual purifying process through which you could actually present yourself to God again. So the things that you ate made you unclean. And it was just, you know, they, they, they had built their society around some of these foods. There just wasn't a market for some of these things. And I don't know if they ever snuck off, or if there was ever a temptation for teens, you know, to go in a dark alley at night and eat some bacon. I don't know how that worked. But they had this relationship to food that was very interesting because it, it, was, it was reflective to some degree of their relationship with God. So that, that's the setup to, to, to what we're going to talk about in Mark chapter 7. God really cares about what you eat. So this is Jesus, God in human form, in Mark chapter 7, verse 14, starting in verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen, everybody, all right? Understand what I'm about to say, because you can tell, even from the text here, he's just a little fed up with everybody. Come on, listen. Listen to me. It's like when parents grab their kids by the shoulders, just sit down on the couch, look me in the eyes here. Nothing, verse 15, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Whoa, those words must have just landed like a lead balloon because they had built their society for thousands of years, millennia, around the idea that if you eat certain things, it defiles you. And Jesus is coming along and saying, nothing, nothing. Outside, a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And there, you know that they were thinking like, what comes out of a person? Come on, Jesus, that's gross. Come on, let's keep it PG here, Jesus. That's, you know, because you know that's what they were thinking. And he even addresses that. So he talks about, he, he, he leaves that, leaves that hanging with all those people. And it blew their minds. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? This is crazy. So the apostles talked to him just a little bit later in verse 17. After he had left the crowd and he entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Jesus hadn't spoken a parable. But what he said was so contradictory to what they understood. They were like, this is, it would be as if I got up here and I said, today, church, I want to talk to you about how the world is flat you guys would be like, well, is this some setup for some weird illustration I don't get? What's going on? It doesn't make any, what are you talking about? It doesn't make any sense. Jesus didn't speak a parable. 
And so his disciples were like, you're talking crazy, Jesus. What is this whole thing about the stuff that you eat doesn't defile you? Have you not read the Bible? It's totally about that. The stuff that you eat defiles you. And Jesus is like, oh my goodness. And this, he says something super interesting here. Next verse, verse 18. Are you so dull? Are you so dull? And they're like, I guess so, Jesus, because we're not getting this. Now, this word is super interesting because the Bible does this all the time. The Bible cleans up the language of Jesus for the modern reader because it would hurt our sensibilities. Because the word Jesus uses here is a word that you teach your children not to say. That's the word Jesus uses here. It can be translated starting with an S and ending with a tupid. Don't, you know. (laughs) That would be an accurate idea of what Jesus is trying to convey. Are you so dull. Do you guys not get it? So he goes on to say, are you so dull, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? And they're like, honestly, Jesus, we don't see that. What are you talking about? Verse 19, he goes, this is why, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. You didn't know the Bible had stuff like this in it, did you? This is a little biology lesson. This is like a fifth grade, hey, where does the food go when you eat it? Your, you know, kindergartner asks you. Well, just read Mark chapter 7. Jesus will teach that. And it says something super interesting. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Bacon is back on the menu. That's a little interesting, like, tidbit that is thrown in there in that text. Super fascinating. I did that, that parenthetical statement is not something I added. That's there, there in the text in Mark chapter 7. And then he goes on to say, verse 20, he went on to say, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. The things that come out of you. What are you talking about? Verse 21, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. Whew, it's a fun verse right there. It is from within. It is from a person's heart that all that stuff comes evil thoughts. I want to pause just for a second on the word evil. I, uh, I, I, it's not a word we use very often. I think we reserve it for like big, bad things. Like when we're talking about Hitler or politics, it seems like it gets thrown around. The other, the other people, they're evil. The people that vote differently than I do. That's evil, evil. Serial killers are evil, but we would not use evil. You wouldn't sit down with your children and say, you know what, your behavior today was evil. You wouldn't do that. It's too harsh of a word and they're tender little hearts, right? We wouldn't say that. In fact, I have found myself sort of soft selling things to my kids so often that multiple times this week I realized when my kids were doing something I didn't like, I didn't even say you're not behaving very well or you're being bad. I didn't even say that because, again, they're, they're little hearts. You know, labels, they stick to people. You don't want to label a poor kid's heart, right? So I, I, what I found myself saying to my children all the time is like, Hey, buddy, that wasn't cool. That's like my way of saying, your little heart is being evil right now. That wasn't cool. I I said it three or four or five times this week. That wasn't cool. And what Jesus is saying, like, it's the uncool stuff, but it starts in the heart. It's this evil that starts in the human heart. And unfortunately, we're part of that description. God is saying that there is evil. Jesus is saying there is evil in our hearts. I don't know that I like that. I'm not sure that that's fun. Um, I was trying to figure out where I came across 
I'm too young to have grown up in the era of listening to radio dramas. You know, the family would gather around the living room and turn on the radio and they would listen to, you know, the serial dramas on the radio. Does that happen? Anybody, you know, remember that? I, I don't remember that. Somehow, I know about, I've heard, and I don't know, maybe I've heard on the internet, I've heard of this show called The Shadow. Some of you are familiar with this show. Some of you are old enough. I don't know where I heard this, but I, I even was thinking about this today, today because what Jesus is talking about reminded me of this old show, The Shadow. Because at the very beginning of the show, there's a, a mysterious narrator who starts off the show by saying, what evil lurks in the hearts of men, only the shadow knows. And then he goes off to fight the real bad guys, the real evil guys. Only the shadow knows. That's evil. Evil is people who commit crimes, but not people who go to church on Sundays. That's not evil. And Jesus is saying the stuff that comes out of us, that is evil. And I don't know that I like that label very much. I'm not sure. I'm, I feel good about what Jesus is saying about what is inside me. For it is, with, from, it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. But you know what? My experience bears this out. I've had those evil thoughts and those evil words and done those evil things. The experience, my experience bears this truth out that there is evil in my heart. I don't like that very much. I want it to be somebody else's fault. I want it to be my circumstances, my surroundings, my upbringing. I want it to be something else that happened, not my own heart. I don't want to have to point the finger at my own heart. Um... I want to illustrate what we're talking about here, but I need a, a volunteer. So I've asked my nephew, Malachi, would you come up and help me out here? And I need some props. I, I'm going to have Drew hand them to me. Um, okay, Malachi, you can stand right there. All right, this is the best I could do. I apologize. It's not perfect. But what we're going to do, you're going to hold both of these pictures, okay? Um, and if I had a marker, I'd draw little smiley faces on it. But these pictures represent us, all right? They, they represent you and I. All right, and we're full of stuff. This looks really nice and fluffy, but we're just, we're full of stuff. We're full of things. We're full of, uh, of our history and our baggage and all that kind of stuff. It's just all, we're full of, uh, of whatever. And so when we go about our day and we're just, you know, kind of minding our own business and something happens, like there's some drama, there's some conflict, there's, there, something didn't go the way that we wanted to go. We could, you could almost argue that like, like we got bumped, so to speak, in life. So I want you to hit these two pictures together. All right, we got bumped. And what happens is stuff comes out. We get bumped and somebody says something to us. Somebody just took it too far. They got on our last nerve or something happens and stuff comes out. And we say something or we do something or we get so furious or we react in a way. And pretty quickly that thing that came out, whatever we said, those words, those actions, that behavior, it came out and we real quickly realized like, oh, that was not cool. <laughs> right? Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that because people are watching my husband saw that. My wife saw that. My kids saw that. My coworkers saw that, heard that, or, or whether or not we know, or they're thinking that. Because that, that ugly thing, I know a cotton ball isn't very ugly, but that ugly thing came out of us. And what we often do in that scenario is we say, like, we say, oh man, where did that come from? Oh, I, that's, that's not me. I, I, I'm not like that. I don't do that sort of thing. I, 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 I don't know where that came from. I'm so sorry. I don't know where that came from. And Jesus would say, 
I know where that came from. It was inside you. No, 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 no. They did something to me. They said something to me. It's their fault. It's the circumstances, God, you have placed me in. Nope, God says that was inside you. What came out of you was inside you. If that is not indicting, man, to think about the things that we say, the arguments that we have, like, well, I was hungry. I was tired. I was, it was inside you. That junk was inside you. And every once in a while, we get into witness our own junk coming out. We want to blame other people. We want to blame other things. But it's inside us. I've seen this. I've seen this in me. It was inside me. And I have to deal with it. I have to acknowledge it. Thank you, Malachi. I appreciate it. Appreciate your help. Good job. The sad thing is, there's still a lot more inside us. There's still a lot more junk to deal with. Jesus says, I know where that comes from. In verse 23, all these evil evils come from inside and they defile a person. And think about your, your week. Think about the conflicts you had with somebody, the frustration you expressed when you let down your guard. Well, yeah, but it was traffic and, and I was stressed and I, and I had a busy day and they said that thing that they know I don't like them to say and they pushed my button and they got on that last nerve and I had had it up to here. You know what? You showed it. It came out. Because Jesus said it was inside you. It was inside you. It was inside our hearts. And essentially what Jesus is saying is this. Whatever resides in our hearts will inevitably, eventually inevitably make its way into our lives. We don't like to admit that. We like to believe that we're victims of circumstance and we're products of our upbringing and we're just, it's all somebody else's thing. And those things are true. They are true. They make us who we are. They, that helped fill us. But those things we say, those things we do, the ways we react, the ways we respond, that came from inside us, according to Jesus. So if what's coming out of you is negativity, what's coming out of you is complaint, what's coming out of you is lust, what's coming out of you is anger, what's coming out of you is judgmentalism, it's because that's what's inside you. Whatever resides in our hearts will inevitably make its way into our lives. And we, we can blame, we can point fingers, but if you look at the clues, they point to the real culprit. And it's hard to admit. It's hard to admit that our hearts have some evil, dark corners. It's hard. It hurts. Oh, it hurts to even think it, much less say it, to confess it to someone else. It hurts. But I bristle at Jesus' assessment. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I want to say, Jesus, you're not acknowledging the fact that my life has been hard. You're not acknowledging the fact that my day has been hard. But He's saying, I know where it comes from. My heart almost tells me that I'm wrong about Jesus' assessment of my heart. You know what I mean? When Jesus says there's evil in there, my heart almost tells me, like, I don't know, Jesus. I'm not sure you're right. You didn't have it as hard as the rest of us do. I'm not sure. My heart is a little defensive. You ever experienced that? Somebody points out some real, legitimate flaw in you, and you immediately get defensive? Um. Jesus may have very well had a, a specific Old Testament passage in mind that we're going to look at in a second, but I want to tell you a quick story. Um, my wife and I got to go. Uh, I love traveling. I love experiencing new things. I love, like, just, just the whole thing. 
And we got to go to uh, Jamaica a few years ago. And it was my first time going there. Beautiful country. Everybody I interacted with uh, was friendly. And, and, and uh, we, we landed. We took this little shuttle right to the hotel. And, and the hotel, um, it, was a, it was a holiday inn, but it was, it was surrounded by a big high fence and barbed wire on the top. And, uh, it's not normal. It doesn't seem normal for holiday inns, but uh, whatever. So... We, we went in, and, you know, I, I just get so excited. I know most of you would hate me on vacation, but I, like, I wake up even earlier on vacation than I do just normally because I'm just like, ah, let's go explore. Let's like, experience life. You know, I'm, it's miserable, I know, for, for people like Corrine who just, like, we're on vacation. Let's sleep. So I wake up early, and I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go explore the island. I'm just going to walk around and meet people and just live and experience. So I... I I tried to leave the, the hotel, and there's a security guard, and they're like, where, where are you going? I don't know. I'm just exploring. You really should have somewhere you're going. Well, down the road, and, and I, it's starting to dawn on me that maybe they're trying to dissuade me from just leaving, but they said, no, you can leave, but here, you have to sign this little waiver, <laughs> and, and what time you left? Like, okay, you know, like, I'm still a little dense. But, but I, so I start walking down the street, and, and I, that experience of the guard trying to keep me there at the hotel, I was like, oh, well, maybe, maybe they know something I don't know, and my spidey sense is kind of going off just a little bit, just a little bit. And I, but I'm still, you know, walking down the street, checking things out. There's, there's people. Now, I, I, people can clearly tell that I'm not, you know, I'm not from here, and I'm getting, I'm getting uh, some looks from people that like, what, what are you doing? I get about a quarter mile, half a mile away from our hotel, and this guy comes running across the street at me. I'm the only person on this side of the street, and he comes running toward me. And my spidey sense is like, oh boy, what's, what's going on? What's going on? And he comes running toward me, and he sticks out his hand, and he says, hi, I'm Charles. Well, hi, Charles. And he's like, sit down right here. Okay, you know, I, Charles says sit down. So we sat down on the side of the road, and Charles tells me about the history of Jamaica, fascinating stuff, all kinds of cool stuff. Like, so we're having this conversation, and I'm still like, okay, Charles seems like, he seems like a decent guy. He seems okay. And then Charles says, I want to show you something. Okay. Uh, he goes, follow me. And then he indicates this dirt trail that goes into the jungle. And, and this isn't the dirt trail, but this is what it looks like. He says, follow me, follow me. And I'm like, spidey sense is like, you know. This is not a good idea, Patrick. But I'm sitting there and I'm trying to assess the situation. I've known Charles for about seven minutes now. He seems like, <laughs> he seems like a trustworthy fella. Uh, old friend Charles, he's like, I want to show you something. So Charles starts down the path and he can see my hesitation. And he says, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Come on, come on, come on. And so I'm standing there and I'm looking at the road. I'm looking at the path. What do you guys think I did? I followed him down the path. This is terrible. 
Honestly, and this is not, I'm not telling you this at all. I think it reflects very poorly on me. I actually debated whether or not I'd tell you this story because it reflects so poorly on me because some of you guys are like, it is amazing that you are not murdered right now. That is unbelievable. And it's because it's, this is not a wise decision by any stretch. Kids, do not do this, right? If somebody says, come down a dark path, somebody that you don't know, don't go, right? It's a terrible idea. But I went down, I followed him down this path. And I think it's just God has like, Patrick, you've got like a whole squadron of guardian angels assigned to you. Like, I just feel like God has protected me uh, through so much. And you know it could have, it must have worked out at least okay, because I'm here, right, telling you about it. But here's the thing. Here's the assessment. This is the biblical assessment of your heart. Not only is there evil residing inside it, but your heart is sometimes trying to guard, uh, draw you down dark jungle pathways. Your heart is sometimes saying, hey, over here, this is going to be awesome. This will be fun. Come here. Follow me. Come here. It's okay. It's okay. Come here. And you're like, I don't know, heart. Your brain, your spidey sense is saying, "Mm, I'm just not sure that's a great idea. I'm not sure I should do that. And your heart's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. There's this Old Testament verse that I think is amazing that I really want you to see. It's Jeremiah chapter 17. And we know the verse, but I want you to see the setup to the verse because I think it's incredible. Jeremiah chapter 17, this is starting in verse 5. This is Jeremiah. He's just been warning the Hebrew people right and left. Like, come on, guys, get your act together. God is going to send to some invaders and he's going to take all of you to another land unless you get it together. It's just that simple. You know, obey God. It's that simple. And so he gets to Jeremiah 17, and he says, This is what the Lord says. Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh. This is what God, this is what the King of Kings says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, including ourselves. Cursed is the one who sees their heart drawing them down a jungle path. Cursed is the one. Cursed is the one who leans on their own understanding, as Proverbs would say. Who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Well, what happens if we go down that path, Jeremiah? What does God say about that? That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Well, that doesn't sound very much fun for an extrovert like me. I don't want that. That's cursing. Oh. No, thank you. Uh, what's our, do we have any other, that's cursing. Do we have any other alternatives? And Jeremiah said, yes, verse 7. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. Verse 8, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Oh, that sounds good if you're talking to a, a culture that is just steeped in, 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 in agriculture. This sounds good. All right. So I want to avoid the cursing in the desert, and I want to go after the, the blessing and the, and, and the harvest. That's what I want. That sounds great. So Why would anyone ever choose cursing over blessing? Why would anyone ever do that? And the very next verse, God says this about the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And what we're being told here is that our hearts will call us down dark jungle paths to sin. I've followed my heart there and suffered the consequences of that. Our hearts are not always on our sides. 
God tells us that. Our hearts don't always have our best interests in mind. But what does every single Disney movie that has come out in the last 15 years teach that audience to do? Follow your heart. And Jeremiah would say, nobody question your heart. Question it. Challenge it. Examine it. That's what David said over and over again in the Psalms. Search me, God. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Psalm 139. Our hearts will try to talk us into things that end in ruin. I'm here. I'm here. So obviously going down this dark jungle path didn't turn out too badly for me. And, and I've Felt like it was a good illustration, but you know what? Charles and I went down that path about 20, 30 feet. Spidey sense tingling the whole time. I'm watching the path, seeing, waiting for his buddies to come, trying to assess the situation. And all Charles wanted to do was show me this olive tree that was down the path. And we picked some olives, uh, not olive tree, uh, almond tree. Picked some almonds. I didn't know they grew on trees, but they do. And there's this fruit around them. And we ate some fresh olives. You know, that's all Charles wanted to do. It, that turned out okay. That's where the illustration breaks down. I was fine. I was safe. But not because I was exercising good judgment. Not because it was a smart thing to do. Our hearts sometimes talk us into things that are bad for us. Often talk us into things that are bad for us. Okay, let's wrap this up. Let's land the plane. This feels like a lot of bad news about our hearts. It's like going to the mechanic with your car and the mechanic comes out with just pages and pages. Like, well, you got this and this and it's expensive. And at some point you're like, well, is this even salvageable? Should we even try to fix this thing? Is it, what's, what's the point here? And, and throughout the process of studying for this series about the heart and examining the heart, there's been this verse of Scripture that just, I feel like the Spirit is telling me, reminding me of this verse of, of Scripture over and over again. But it's in, in, in Romans chapter 7, and we'll just wrap up with this. This is Paul's conclusion about like this push and pull between the heart telling him down, to go down this jungle path and, and saying, hey, cursings, obey God, life, death. Verse 24 says, what a wretched man I am. This is Paul writing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And I think you could almost argue, you could point out that, that it's almost like Paul is saying, what a, what a dark heart I have. I want to do the right thing, but I don't do it. I, I don't want to do that thing, and that's what I end up doing. What's wrong with my heart? Who will rescue me from this body? Who will rescue me from this heart that is messed up? And you sense the desperation in Paul's prayer there. You sense it. I sense it. And that's what makes this next verse so powerful. Verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me. Who will rescue me? God will deliver me. Amen. Here's the deal. And here's why it's important to call out the behavior that's in our hearts. Here's why it's important to call out the behavior that's in my heart. As painful as it is, here's why it's important. Because it is, it is precisely because we realize how terrible things are that we're looking for help. Because if we don't believe that we need to be rescued, then we're not looking for a rescuer. If we don't need to be, believe we need to be saved, we're not looking for a savior. If we don't believe there's something bad going on that needs to be fixed, we're not looking for anyone to fix it. And Paul gets to the point where he says, who will save me? It is a mess in here. It's a mess in this body. It's a mess in this life. And he says, thanks be to God who delivers me, who rescues me. Last week we talked about there's nothing, you can't, 
think your way, feel your way. You can't will your way to transformation. It's God giving you, granting you a new heart. But you, you can't save yourself. You can't clean out all the dark corners of your heart. But I'll, I'll tell you what, here's a prayer that God will answer, a scary, dangerous, frustrating prayer that God will answer. If you commit to praying, God, show me the junk in my heart, God will show you. In fact, God's probably been trying to show you and we're just not tuning in, not paying attention. If you ask God to examine you, your heart, if you ask God to search your heart, God will show you some stuff that needs to be drawn up and, and repented of. Just like Jacob talked about in his communion talk. The heart is messed up. But listen, God can't forgive it until we repent of it. We can't repent of it until we're willing to admit it. What evil lurks in the hearts of men? God knows, but you know what? We know too. We know what's in there. And so it's my challenge for us is for us to just be brutally honest with our hearts, brutally honest with ourselves so that God can dig into those hearts and forgive us so that we can be, that those things can be taken away. Those dark corners, those dark shadows in our hearts can be swept away. Let's call it out and let's let God through Jesus Christ do his work on our hearts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful to be able to think through these topics, Lord, and they're not fun. They're not fun to admit that we have some serious shortcomings, uh, some serious problems, Lord. I confess, I confess the darkness in my own heart, and Lord, I thank you so much for the forgiveness that I received through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who not only experiences that forgiveness, but lives that forgiveness as a shining light to people in this world who are walking in darkness Lord, who are walking in evil and just don't even understand it, who are trying to call evil good and good evil. Lord, help us to be a light for the world around us because we have done the work of digging into our own hearts and drawing up those dark evil corners and letting you deal with them and forgive us for those things that we've done, that we've said, that we've thought. Lord, lead us into your paths. Lead us into your ways. Lord, help us not to trust ourselves, to trust our hearts, but to trust you. Renew our hearts, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You are dismissed.